Patriots Beat is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. It is Brian Hines and Alex Barth back for another live edition of the Patriots Beat podcast right here on the CLNS Media Network. And Alex, I know it's doom and gloom around Foxborough at one Patriot place. A lot of Patriots Nation is kind of ready to just pack it in here. Eyes towards the draft, maybe some bigger picture questions with with some of the staff which you know we we discussed a bit the last few shows after those last two embarrassments by the new england patriots but the show goes on and the yes. theme in foxborough this week was starting over because they do have a football game this weekend against josh mcdaniels and the las vegas raiders they are probably on the plane now or about to be on the plane out to vegas and they're not ready to tank at all so they're going to try to put the pieces together here and try to get their season back on the back on the tracks here with a win in vegas so how are you kind of feeling about that big picture plan from them here i mean look i'm not going to fault guys for wanting to go out and win games that's their job the players have zero incentives to tank bill belichick has zero incentive to tank i'm not gonna fault him for it that being said can they go win this game i don't know it's going to be tough. It, it, it is a tough game. The, the It's not that the Raiders are a great team, but I think the things that the Raiders do well line up with the Patriots' biggest weaknesses, and overcoming that is going to be a lot. Yeah. I mean, you start by looking at Max Crosby right there, right? Yeah. And, like, one of the premier edge rushers in football, and also, like, he's, he's a monster against the run, which Zeke pointed out this week, right? Like, some of these pass rushers, they're one-trick ponies, but he can make a big impact in, in both areas of the game. And for a Patriots team that we've been hammering it since the spring and probably even before that, like, the offensive line is an issue. You look at Max Crosby, could really be a game wrecker there. But so get getting more in depth on the game if they do want to win this it, it probably starts up front with that offensive line Cole Strange still a little banged up here we'll, we'll see if Darian Lowe or if they're still going to play him at right tackle but if they're healthy and we saw Riley Reef come back last week if you wanted a little sliver of positivity maybe it was Riley Reef's play last week even though he was bouncing around the guard spots what what what's your kind of offensive line? If everyone's healthy, that you're rolling in here and trying to get the best five to slow down Max Crosby and take advantage of the Raiders' defense. The best five is probably Trent Brown, left to right. Trent Brown, Antonio Maffi, David Andrews, Riley Reef, Mike Onwenu. Now they're not going to put Mike Onwenu at right tackle. We've discussed this at length. They should, but they won't. I also wonder how. I I don't think Riley Reef's fully 100, percent and I know he played last week but he only played a little bit and in the brief windows we've seen into practice this week, he has looked limited even in those brief windows. I think he can play. I don't think he can play a full game. And you sort of saw that last week where he rotated in every now and then. And I think it's going to be more of the same this week. So being realistic, the best line they can probably put out there, Trent Brown, two rookies at guard, David Andrews and Vidarian Lowe at right tackle. And that's a group we saw last week. It's a group we saw two weeks ago. It, 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 it's a your broken record, dead horse, whatever you want to say it. They don't have enough offensive line talent. They don't, they don't. That's the best group realistically that they can put out there right now. So you said 
two rookie guards. If so, are you saying if Strange is healthy, even he's been limited this week, you're rolling with Mafi over Strange right now? I might, I might. Uh, that that report in the Herald from Andrew Callahan and Doug Kai, who kind of dissected and gave a timeline of how the Patriots offense and Mac Jones got to where that situation is. By the way, fantastic job by them. I, yep. I think they nailed it. I, I think it's a great explanation. Some things in there, some people have been saying for quite a while now, but um, they they did a very thorough job, and I think that's a very solid explanation laid out uh, as bluntly as possible about where they're at. But one thing that kind of slipped in there, and they didn't, it's not like per source, but it's one of those things where like you see it and it raises your antennas a little bit, is they said Cole Strange is facing a challenge for his job from fifth-round rookie Antonio Maffi. I would say that's fair. I, yeah. I, I I don't think that Cole Strange isn't hurt. I think he is. But guys play hurt in the NFL. And <clears throat> let's say instead of being one and four, they're four and one and he's playing well. I think he's probably out there. I think they're not playing him right now because they don't have to. And I do think he'll get healthy and get another full shot, but they're not going to give him a full shot until he's hundred percent healthy. And that tells me that's a guy that they don't entirely feel they need. Yep. And he's still limited with that knee injury worth noting, but Mafia was interesting because I thought he was not great, but I thought he was good against Dallas, right? Like taking a step forward. Then we heard Bill shower all this praise on him uh, after, or it might've been before the game or after the game uh, during the week. And then, like he was not good against the saints uh last week i thought he kind of took a step back still having some troubles with some of those basic like stunt pressures up front like max pick six so he'd be an interesting guy to kind of watch how he bounces back after not playing so well he got benched that game for riley reef got chewed out by bill on the sideline a little bit there so seeing how moff he bounces back because yeah with with strange like if he's not healthy like pass protection was already an issue for him at 310 and if he's still battling these knee injuries like that that's going to be even worse for him in pass protection there but yeah they they got to get the offensive line figured out Vidarian Lowe would be the big big one like I would still rather have Riley Reef or I'd rather have Mike on Winder but they're not going to do that as you said so I would try to put Reef out there at right tackle and you know that's the group you came into the year with if you want to start over here so because Raiders, like, outside of Crosby, not really a big pressure team. Like, pressure percents are low, and you can run the ball on them, which we know this team can't do. But last year against Vegas, they ran for over 200 yards against them. So, again, the path to kind of winning here is running the ball, and you need the offensive line, you know, firing on all cylinders for that. Did you think it was interesting that Bill said this week the Raiders are a good run defense team? Did you catch that? I, I heard him say that, yeah. That was one of the first things he said this week. The Raiders ranked 32nd in the league in rush yards around uh, rush yards allowed 30th in, in yards per attempt. I, that was weird to me. That was weird because I heard that. And that told me they're not super eager to run the ball again. That's concerning. You have to be able to run the ball. And the thing is like, yeah, Max Crosby's a really good run stopper. He's opposite Vidarian Lowe. The rest of their defense isn't good at stopping the run. You can run to that left side behind your strength. The guy who's supposed to be your strength, Trent Brown. And if you have a Tony Omafi over there as well, that's a lot of size. You're running behind. Throw Pharaoh Brown over there if you want. And you should be able to eat doing that. 
I just don't have any faith they're going to do it. They still have this refusal to get under center 20. Uh, I guess that wouldn't be 22 power. That would be what? Uh, um, 22. Uh, uh, no, because 22, two, it's, uh, that'd be like 26, 26 stretch. Um, it, they, they still don't seem to have any desire to go under center and hand the ball off. And if they do, I think they can do it this week running to the left, but I, I have to believe that they're going to do it. And they've given me no reason to believe they're going to do it. Yeah. Uh, a Bill's quote there was defensively, they're strong against the run, haven't given up very many big plays. So yeah, it doesn't look like, no, but you can, but, but yeah. you can chip away at it. Yeah. That's like, again, they ran for Ramondre. And sorry. Like a, I, I had those numbers slightly wrong. They're 23rd in rushing yards against 21st in yards per attempt. So still like bottom third of the league there. And yeah. again, Ramondre had 170 yards last year. He had over 200 as a team. So just run away from Max Crosby and you'll probably have some success against them. Cause they don't have another Max Crosby or another real, like this isn't, Dallas or the Jets, where if you negate Mike Parsons or you negate Quinn and Williams, like they're going to have other guys coming at you. Like this is the Max Crosby show for that Raiders defense up front. So you want to run the ball, but yeah, maybe Bill kind of hinted that they're not looking to do that and they haven't been looking to do that all year. Like you have all those third and short statistics going into the Saints game and then. What'd you have them like six third and shorts against the Saints? Six and third and shorts didn't hand it off once. They only one time attempted to give the ball to the running back, and it was that Fakakta tush push fake play that great time to break that out. Great time to show that down 20 points. And yeah, it's frustrating. Yeah. So I uh, see some people in the chat talking about Mac. So let's talk about Mac. His attitude this week was getting back to having fun. That seemed like his type of you know, his focus this week and uh, talked a lot about fundamentals and footwork, which was a big thing we talked about uh, going into the Saints game because he's seeing ghosts, he's getting happy feet, whatever you want to call it, because the offensive line is so bad. He's bailing from open pockets, rushing through his progression. So those are obviously at the top of his corrective list as Patriots are starting over here, getting back to having fun. But I thought the big thing he kind of said was he wanted to be a better communicator and he specifically focused on like receivers and their route details. Right. And that's something you don't really see from him in between series. Right. Like he's really just talking to Bill O'Brien on the sideline, not saying like, Hey, he specifically said pop Douglas, which I thought was kind of interesting. Like, Hey pop, like we know run, he likes pop. Yeah. Yeah. But like run the route to this distance or break it off here. And you see a lot of issues in the passing game, specifically with Juju Smith-Schuster maybe. of There looks like there just isn't trust there, and they're not communicating. It's leading to Mac holding the ball, you know, skipping progression, skipping reads. So that, that will kind of be interesting to see if this communication picks up, how will it start looking cleaner, and maybe Mac has a little more trust in, the, in that unit. Yeah, I mean, you have to hope that that's it. And and I get the idea of going back to having fun. I I know a lot of people are probably going to roll their eyes at that, and I kind of get it. But at the same time, uh, you do have to enjoy it. You you do. You're playing a game at the end of the day, and it it, it can get really tedious if you don't enjoy what you're doing. So I I do think there is something to be said for all that. The question is, okay, then what? And, and uh, they were never going to tell us the then what, because the then what is basically like strategically, what are they going to change? Are they going to run the ball more? Are they going to make changes to the depth chart? Are, you know, are they going to focus differently in the passing game? 
yeah, I'm not expecting them to tell us what that is. We're going to see what it is on Sunday, but you, you can't go in just thinking you're going to lose because then you're going to lose. That's you, you still have to, a lot of the times people like make fun of players when like, Oh no, I can do this or I'm the best at this or, you know, a one in 14 team late in the year being like, yeah, no, we believe we're going to go in and win. And like people make fun of that, but having that mentality in those situations is why those guys are professional athletes, because you have to think that way to have to, to be that six and people like one 14, how successful are you to be playing in the NFL? You're pretty freaking successful. You yeah. So you have to have that mentality, but then you also have to build on it as well. And I, I, I like, I do actually like the mentality, the whole starting over thing, having fun thing. I do believe in that. But where are you taking that from here? That's that's my question. Yeah. And I wonder if the lack of success that Max had, even dating back to last year, because with the communication stuff, he mentioned, I haven't done that. He said years, I think. So really, since since he's been here and maybe he just doesn't feel like if he's not playing good football, like who am I to go up to Juju or one of these receivers and say like, hey, you're running the wrong route there. But right you kind of need to do that. Like you're in this together. You got to be on the same page and, and figure it out together. So that, that'll be interesting to see how he bounces back. And I mean, Vegas, he was house of horrors for him dating back to that preseason game last year. And then in the regular season, he was 13 of 31 for 112 yards. So I know, I think it was, it was either Evan or Taylor. I think it was Evan. He posted like the weakness against weakness this week with, like we know the struggles the Patriots receivers have against man coverage and the Raiders are one of like the worst man coverage defenses in all of football. So weakness against weakness there will be kind of interesting to see how Mac bounces back. But you mentioned the depth chart there briefly. If he kind of bottoms out and continues on this downward trend, are you thinking maybe it's flip the page to Will Greer here, get Will Greer a look, or are you still on Bailey Zappi for now as the backup? I'd be interested to see Will Greer. I, I, look, I, I think Bailey Zappi deserves a chance to get a full week. Um, you know, a lot of people point to his struggles basically being he's thrown to the games cold, and I think there's um, something to that. Like, I think that that's valid. I would also like to get a look at Will Greer. People who have followed me going back to, like, pre-Evan Lazar CLNS know there was a time where I thought Will Greer was the next guy in that, um, tw- I think it was 2019. Draft. I wanted them to take Will Greer to be the next guy for Brady. Uh, obviously, that didn't pan out. I also think Will Greer was in some bad spots. I, and, and I'm not saying like at this point, I, I still necessarily believe that. I don't necessarily believe that Will Greer is the long-term fix for this team, especially not at this point entering midseason. Could he be a guy, if you have to move on for Mac and Zappy that can be the bridge guy next year if you draft a guy? Maybe. I, I would just be... I feel like I more or less know what they have in Bailey Zappi. I'd still give him a full start if it gets to that point. I kind of want to know what they have in Will Greer, too. I, I, I'd i give him a look. But I I don't know how caught up Greer is. Like, I feel like he would have to go to Zappi first. I, I Based on just what Belichick said, it feels like Greer might need another week or two. Yeah, which I know they there have been rumors or reports that maybe they're kind of simplifying the offense here and the start over process. So that could help Greer see the field earlier. But yeah, he probably still would go to Zappi at first and just, I mean, he hasn't been great either in his short two stints here, but, you know, throwing in, throwing him right into the fire, maybe not as fair, give him a full week and, 
and see what what that looks like even though it didn't look great even dating back to like training camp in the preseason but yeah if you get to the point where you have to see will greer like like could it get much worse at that point right like why not just see what you have in will greer maybe he helps helps you as as you said it to a bridge or next year maybe he's your long time backup right like just fills in one of those roles but uh to the wide receivers as cons points out here they'll probably not have pop and juju this game doesn't look that way with those head injuries other way otherwise like you're mostly missing one game now in the NFL. That's how those usually work. And neither of those guys have practice all week. So they will probably be ruled out in the la- in the next hour or two. But so without them, Taekwon returned to the field this week off IR. Is he our saver? savior? Is Taekwon coming in to, to save this offense as, as a speedster here? Well, that's the big question. I think without Juju and, and Pop, and that's Juju's 58% usage rate guy, Pop's around 25%, but he also accounts for about 10% of other offensive production in the passing game in terms of yards. There's a couple routes they can go here. It will probably be a little bit of everything. The question is which one supersedes. The first, uh, there's really four. The first is just a ton of 12 personnel. And for this game specifically, that's kind of the route I want them to go. And I don't mean Hunter Henry and Mike Gesicki. I mean, Hunter Henry and Pharaoh Brown and essentially just using Pharaoh Brown as an extra tackle in the run game in the pass game. Basically he's assigned to Max Crosby, him and whether it's the right guard, the right tackle, whoever, like he's always going to be helping on Max Crosby. That's one option. The other option and another option is, extended look at Kayshawn Booty. And I know people are still kind of rubbed the wrong way by what he did in week one, but he showed flashes this summer. Let's see, give him another shot. One game's one game. I wouldn't hate to see him a little bit more. They could call up uh, Jalen Rager from the practice squad. I don't have a ton of interest in that. I know who Jalen Rager is at this point. I think we all do. I don't need to see any more of him. And then there's Taekwon. Taekwon, if they're not going to do the 12 personnel thing, and I think they're going to do 12 a good amount, but like for when they don't do it, to me, Taekwon's the guy, because without Pop Douglas, you have zero speed on offense. None. Yep. And Taekwon gives you that. He can play the slot. So then you, you have Bourne at the Z, you have Parker at the, the, the X, and you throw Taekwon in the slot to get him some free releases. If he's going to show up, this is the week for him to show up. They need him this week. Yep. That that's where I'm at with Taekwon. Like, you have no speed even to start. Like, you can't beat man coverage, and now, and now the one guy who was and Demario Douglas is out. So, you hope he can get out there. They still have to activate him. We'll, we'll find out like tomorrow at four by the latest, I believe. So, we'll see what happens there. But you just hope he can get out there and give you an element of what you haven't had because Devonte Parker, Juju Smith-Schuster have given you nothing. So. Hopefully he can give you something and Kayshawn Booty too. Like if they elevate Jalen Rager and make Kayshawn Booty an inactive, like healthy scratch again, like uh, that's going to bother me because just play these young kids and and see what you have at this point and just kind of let them go. Cause even Booty, I think is more explosive than what Juju has shown when he's back to being healthy. So be interesting to see Taekwon. um, and, And yeah, just, play the kids, get Kayshawn Booty out there and just split it up. I'd still like, I still like Kendrick Bourne, like still play Kendrick Bourne, but uh, 
I'm kind of over Devonte Parker. Like I know he had a good summer, but it's just not translating right now. So just just play the kids. That's what I kind of want to see from the uh, receiver group. I'll bring this one up too because some people have asked this long term. I, I've oh, yeah. been very in on Jerry Judy. You've been. I actually don't know where you're at on Jerry Judy, but I've been very in on Jerry Judy. Others have after everything last night. <laughs> Are you in on Jerry Judy, or were you never in on him to begin with? So I was in on him over the off season, and then at the start of the off season, and then I kind of cooled off because I don't like he just. I get he's a good player, and he'd probably be the biggest upgrade. He'd probably be your best receiver, right? Like he'd be an upgrade, but I don't know. Like he's injured a lot. He he's had struggles producing and you could say that's the Denver offense or such not. And then the Steve Smith stuff, obviously last night is one thing, but I will say I like the idea of trading for a guy who you might seem as a good player that is still 24 years old and you can build with him, right? Like I wouldn't be holding on to my fourth or fifth round draft pick and saying, I can't give you that for Jerry Judy. If you target that guy as, as, as an upgrade like go get go get the good player if you think he's a good player but that that's where i'm kind of at with that if it's judy or if it's someone else doesn't really matter to me so if it's a fourth or fifth i'd take him i don't know that i'm giving up a top 100 pick i trust steve smith's evaluation of wide receivers I, yeah if you watch the videos he does he's very good also just the re- and, and i didn't realize there was this whole back and forth between him and judy uh unless it just started last night and it was all kind of just private until then if he can't handle media criticism, he can't play here. Yeah. That's just the reality of it. So uh, definitely kind of eye-opening last night in that conversation. Yeah. So that would be interesting. Um, Cortland Sutton, too. Would you be interested in him? Because he's another guy they're, they're calling or supposed to be listening to in Denver. If they'll take Devontae Parker back, sure. <laughs> you don't so, need two of those guys. And Cortland Sutton gets yeah. hurt a lot. So – um yeah, I just – you already have Devontae Parker. It's hat yeah. on a hat. If you can figure out a way to move Devontae Parker, I think Sutton might be a, a slightly better player, like he's a little bit of an upgrade, but not a ton. And adding him, you still have that issue of there's just no speed on the offensive side of the ball. Yep. So the guy I've always, It's funny. The guy I've always wanted from there is Tim Patrick. I'm a yeah, big I used, fan of but I used to like Tim Patrick a lot. He always gets hurt, so there's only so much you can do. Yep. But uh, yeah, you'd expect them. They usually carry back to back to Sunday. They usually carry five receivers. So with Parker, Bourne, and uh, Montgomery, technically, who still should be playing more as a running back. Yes, I'll keep saying that. You'd expect Tyquan Booty to be involved in that mix, or if one of them aren't ready, or you know they just want to scratch Booty again. Jalen Rager would probably be the main guy <clears throat> to get the call up there. But uh, that's. I believe that's about it offensively. Any other last notes you may have there or we can uh, flip it over? Yeah, no, that's pretty much it for me on the offense. All right, but we could hear from our friends at FanDuel before we flip it over and talk about the rest of this game. Snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com Boston 
and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. 21 plus and present in Massachusetts. Hope is here. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling Helpline MA.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. All right, so on the other side of the ball, we got our favorite quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo, this week uh, over there in, in Vegas, who Bill said can make all the throws today. Right? Yes, he can. He had a big bill with all the praise for Jimmy Garoppolo today. And talk about that. I know you had a few things that that he said that kind of caught caught your attention there. Yeah, if he's drooling over Jimmy Garoppolo, that tells me a lot. Talk <laughs> about how he's he you know is a starting quarterback part time. Uh, he's athletic. He's not. Uh, he can make all the throws. Not really. Uh, if that's what Bill thinks the bar is, he can't pick the next quarterback because the first thing he said is Jimmy's a good quarterback. He wins games. If your evaluation of Jimmy Garoppolo is just his win-loss record, you're not watching him. Uh, look, I Florio's hit and miss. He had a great piece this week on Jimmy Garoppolo, basically just pointing out the guy's played on insanely talented teams his whole career. Of course, he's winning regular season games. Not a lot of postseason success. Been to one Super Bowl, lost it when the game was put in. Look, the game shouldn't have been put in his hands. That's on Shanahan. The game was put in his hands. He lost it. He's fine. He's fine. He is an average starting quarterback when healthy. And that is a massive caveat on his career. So I look, Bill always butters up the opponent. It, to me, it's just kind of funny with me because everybody knows how I am about Jimmy. But yeah. it's like, I, if that's actually, and I wonder if that was just taking a little shot at Kraft. Like, well, you know, this is the guy we drafted to be the starting quarterback. But you forget Mac should have been this guy all along. Shouldn't have been. Brady won another Super Bowl. Jimmy hasn't. The, Jimmy was never the guy. He was drafted too high to begin with. But, yeah, I uh, if that's his actual evaluation, Jimmy Garoppolo, that would concern me. Yeah. So so you're not buying the tell that he makes all the throws, that he maybe doesn't like Jimmy Garoppolo? Well, um, no, because he he'll, he says makes all the throws about a lot of quarterbacks. So you're talking about the Andrew Callahan thing, right? Yeah, yeah. Andrew Callahan has a theory that whenever Bill Belichick says the quarterback makes all the throws, it he doesn't, means he doesn't like, think he's good. Yeah. There's a caveat on that that people miss. It's when he says that and only that. He'll say a quarterback can make all the throws, but if he says, yeah, reads the field well, makes all the throws, yeah. quicker, like that just means he's good. If like Zach Wilson, right? This is the only thing he says. And, so, he, and he's athletic, which like. <laughs> right. So because it was accompanied by some of that other stuff, I don't read into it as much. Uh, if he had just, and it was the first thing he said. So I got all excited. Yeah, <laughs> Jimmy can make all the throws. It's like, here we go. And, and then he went on with all that other nonsense. So. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, so many former Patriots over on that side of the ball. Uh, Jacoby Myers is obviously the big, Big storyline this week. I know you're expecting big things from Jacoby Myers this week. Uh, Jakob Johnson, who we all miss. We love Jakob Johnson on this team right now. Bring back the fullback. He's a free agent next year. I'm already have my eye on him. But um, 
What you looking at for from Jacoby this week? I know you're you're excited to watch him. How will the Patriots? You know they have Devonte Adams on the other side too. So like this like is a perfect role for Jacoby being that number two yeah. guy uh, to the, to a talent like Devonte Adams that he never really was able to do here, and he still produced here so much. But yeah, Jacoby looks really really good in that offense. Devonte Adams, even though he's battling a shoulder injury, is obviously Devonte Adams. So you know we have. JC Jackson, Jonathan Jones is out there. We still haven't seen Jack Jones with that hamstring injury on IR. So still a little undermanned there in the secondary, but how, how are you kind of rolling out to stop that group this week? So first off, I, I hat tip to Jacoby. He's having a great season. I think people who, I think the, the narrative's gotten away a little bit about Jacoby this week. Um, yeah. Yes, they should have kept him over Juju Smith-Schuster. They, they blew the evaluation there. I think Bill's comments this week about Jacoby was a priority are misguided at best. Um, It's not that people, or I mean, I shouldn't speak for everybody, but with me, because I've been accused of that, this people say, oh, you know, if, yeah, because it'd be so different if Jacoby was here. It's not necessarily that. It's that they had a chance to keep the better player, but didn't, regardless of what it would have done for the overall picture of the offense. And Jacoby's success with Las Vegas isn't like a see, this is how good he actually is. It's more of a, do you see what happens to this kind of player when you have a Devontae Adams kind of player next to him? We talk about the coverage dictating wide receiver all the time, that Tuesday morning meeting guy, right? The defense are going to have to game plan around so everybody else maybe gets a little bit less attention. Jacoby wasn't going to put up the numbers he's putting up in Vegas here, but he was going to get the lion's share of the, the attention and coverage. He's not, he's never going to get that in Vegas because teams have to. And Devontae Adams has been up and down this year and he's playing hurt. That's part of it. But you're not going to F around and find out with Devontae Adams. You're going to keep covering him where it opens up a ton of opportunities for Jacoby. So that's, that's where this thing is frustrating. It's like, this is the proof of what we've been yelling for the last two years about the number one wide receiver. Like where people are like, Oh, you don't need like Jacoby Myers, is not a difference maker. Why are you so attached to Kobe Myers? We never said he was, but he's a good player in the sense that if you have the top of the depth chart guy as a complimentary piece, he can absolutely produce. I bet if you put Kendrick Bourne in Vegas, you get a very similar result, but, and, and it's good to have the complimentary guys. And it's fair to recognize that, but their value significantly diminished when they have to be more than complimentary guys. And that's what this difference is. The role Jacoby Myers is in right now. There were two teams I looked at when he hit free agency that I was like, this is like the perfect fit. The Raiders and the Eagles. And you're seeing what a guy who's just crafty and can get open, maybe not create a ton, but get open. What that guy is able to do when the full eyes of the defense aren't on him. And now, look, there's ways to neutralize a guy like that, too. The Patriots have a really good slot coverage corner of Jonathan Jones. To me, mm-hmm. that should be the one-on-one in this game. You're going to have yep. J.C. Jackson with help on Devontae Adams, and you're going to have you're gonna have Jonathan Jones take away Jacoby Myers. These two guys that know each other well, have a lot of experience against each other in practice, should be a very fun matchup. You know Jacoby's coming in with a little extra juice. You know Josh is going to have something up the sleeve for him in this game. Does he throw the ball, maybe? But it's just, yeah, you see it. And good for Jacoby because he's finally in the role he should be in and he's knocking it out of the park. Yeah. That's what we said at Gillette that they're going to dial up a touchdown pass for He's going to throw yeah. the touchdown pass. That'll, that'll be fun. But yeah, the um, I agree with your coverage strategy too, but back to the Jacoby contract, like when he hit free agency, I was like, I thought some team would 
give him like wide receiver like one Christian Kirk money like 16 17 a year and I was like hesitant on that but when you get him for 11 12 10 whatever he he fell in on that annual average that still gives you the money to go add the Devonte Adams or that number one piece and then your depth chart really fills in which is just what they haven't done here yet so credit to Vegas for kind of filling that out perfectly and you're seeing how well that works even with the guy who we just said in Jimmy Garoppolo who's not a great like quarterback right and I know their offense isn't firing on all cylinders they're another team that hasn't scored over 20 points this season with New England here but uh, it, it just fills out that depth chart nicely and like that's how you fill out your receiver depth chart going forward and, and that that's right. kind of the target plan but uh, uh, sticking in the the Patriots secondary, the big theme this week was creating more takeover, uh, takeovers, turn, turnovers, and kind of helping the offense out. Right? I know there was that kind of growing concern that would there start to be some fingers pointed, and I think Callahan kind of alluded to that in that Herald article you were talking about, where the defense is kind of like like come on guys, like we need some help this is kind of getting unacceptable with scoring three points the last two games, getting outscored 22 to three when the offense is on the field. But the defense is, they're saying all the right things, right? Like Steve Belichick said, we got to handle our, our own, our own stuff saying that nicely. Um, and they're focused on creating more turnovers. They only have two this year. Jabril Peppers listed through like four or five the other day of plays that they should have had, create some turnovers, try to give Mac, this offense a short field so we've seen jimmy throw throw some interceptions think we can get get some more uh, on sunday here they're gonna need it they're gonna need it and and i absolutely get the defense being uh frustrated it's fair yeah. they've done their share and it, it by the way it goes beyond the last two games it goes back to the turnover they forced against the eagles in the fourth quarter the turnover they forced against the dolphins in the fourth quarter the only two turnovers they forced yeah. all year by the way <laughs> In the defense, the offense not being able to do about it. So I absolutely get the frustration, but I don't know. Lack of a better term, nobody's coming. It's up to them. Like, I don't know that the offense, they're going to be better than this. They're not going to score. You know, they're averaging 11 points per game this season. They're averaging a point and a half per game the last two weeks. (laughs) It's not going to be that forever. But if they're going to win games, it's going to be the defense, not just stopping the opposing offense, but making plays themselves. Yeah. And Vegas, that was where Kyle Duggar had his like tremendous pick six last year where he like read that screen. He was the guy who popped up on the injury report this week with a, a foot injury. Been kind of quiet this year, I'd say, from you know, yeah. the Kyle Duggar we've we've known, whether that's trying kind of changing roles without Devin McCourty back there in the secondary. I know he almost had a pick last week, but kind of a quieter Kyle Duggar, so it'd be nice maybe if he makes a splash play or two there. Uh, maybe not a touchdown, but just you know a turnover, give Mac the offense 40, 30 yards to work with instead of having to go the whole field because they need it. They they need the help there. And then the other thing, the only other thing defensively I had was you got to find a way to get to Jimmy Garoppolo. Like they could not get to Derek yeah. Carr last week. You really felt the impact of no Matt Judon. Uh, PFF had the Patriots blitzing 48% of the time and they only had a 24% pressure rate. So that, that's not great. That's, that's not going to cut it. And I know Josh Uche is also on the injury report now. He, he's limited this week. So you need him. You need Christian Barmore. You need Keon White. You need these guys to kind of step up and get to Jimmy Garoppolo in this game. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, they couldn't do it last week with the banged up offensive line. 
Raiders offense lines banged up as well. I think I, I, I don't know. Has Leatherwood been ruled out? I don't know if he's been ruled out, but like, I don't think so. Their right tackles banged up one way or the other. So they're going to need the, uh, they're, they need to get pressure one way or the other. Yeah. So how am I, sorry, I got to get to this, this in the comments and I try not to do this. How am I a Mac Jones apologist for saying the defense needs to score? If I'm sitting here saying the offense doesn't have the ability to score and he's the quarterback. So the defense needs to do it. I can't with these people. I, I freaking can't with these people. Every week it's a, me. Uh, Mac Jones needs to stop throwing to Juju Smith-Schuster. Oh, you're making excuses for Mac saying it's Juju's fault. No, I'm saying he's throwing to the wrong receiver. Oh, you're saying the defense needs to score, so that means that it, Mac Jones, you, you're, you're making excuses for Mac Jones. No, I'm saying he can't do it. What the hell do you people want from me? I'm sorry. I, I, no. Uh, LinkedIn talent solutions. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You want to be hundred percent certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. Uh, you know, it's tough out there. To try to get a job They're tough out there to hire too. You know, we've all been on both sides of it and it's, uh, it can be tough. So, uh, uh LinkedIn jobs makes it easy. Add your job in the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. The right hire can certainly make all the difference, Brian, as we both know very well. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash beat. That's linkedin.com slash beat to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. You're, you're literally saying Mac Jones can't lead a scoring drive, so you need the defense what to you, score. What do you more. want me to say, that his parents should disown him? <laughs> like, I, I'm, I'm not going to take personal shots at the guy. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I don't do that. I don't do that with players. Yeah. Get like over it. You've been calling out Mac. You've been... You've been fair with him. I think I've been um, perfectly fair. Yeah, uh, I definitely agree. You laid. You want to lay that uh, that ladder out that you laid out in the workroom today of the Patriots offensive. Well, issues? I know it's not a ladder. That's the thing. It's 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 all it it it's like uh, just this big concoction. Of, you know, the offensive line struggles, so Mac gets sped up, and that that hurts when he's already limited, and that makes the line worse because now they're pressed to do more, and the receivers can't get open. So Mac feels like he needs more time than the line can give him, and then he feels like he needs even he has even less time than that because the line is bad, and the wide receivers not getting open means he's forcing throws, and then they can't run the ball at all, so everybody stays covered because they won't even run the ball. So there's no reason to respect the run. It's just the whole thing. It's there is. You can say Max the you can if if you want to tell me Max the biggest problem with the offense if you want to tell me the line is the biggest problem with the offense if you want to tell me it's the receivers if you want to tell me it's the coaching if you want to tell me it's the run game you're right I'm not going to argue with you it's just all, it's all bad mess. it's all bad it's all bad no there's I don't know that one if there is one overarching fault it's the way the team was constructed and the lack of talent yeah. but for where they're at right now there is no. Oh, well, if only this one thing was better, they would be better. It's, it's all, um, yeah, Brett, somebody in the, in the comments mentioned the Brett Coleman video. What did he, I think he called it like the most insulting offense or something the like that. Most offensive offense. Offensive yeah. Most offensive offense in the NFL. Yeah, something like that. Like, 
Yeah, it's just if you want to say Max the problem, Max the problem. If you want to say the offensive line is the problem, the offensive line is, but you're not wrong. You're you're not. You could throw a dart at it. You're going to hit something that's wrong with the offense. Yeah, all a mess. But let's talk about some fun stuff. Or uh, quick, we can. Special teams are fun too. Should be a good special teams matchup. The AJ Cole uh, versus Bryce Barringer matchup might be the best matchup on the field this weekend. The punter battle. Uh, <laughs> Belichick said the Raiders in his you know Wednesday rundown of the Raiders. He said they have five players who are at the top of their their positional group in the NFL, and it was Josh Jacobs, Devontae Adams, Max Crosby. And then AJ Cole, the Raiders punter, and Daniel Carlson, the Raiders kicker. So those those two guys are really really awesome. So Cole versus Barringer should be a good one. Uh, I'm ready for Chad Ryan to make all his kicks this weekend in that Vegas Dome. It's going to happen. Um, I don't know. That's been a pretty popular controversy or, or topic. The Chad Ryan and Nick Folk bringing it back. I like don't care for it because if you have Nick Folk on this team, you're still one and four. Like it doesn't matter. Right. I get Ryland was brought in here to make these long field goals. He's had some bad snaps, some bad weather. You'd still like to see him make some of these, but I don't know if he starts missing. First of all, they haven't given him any 40 and unders. He's had like one 28, 29 yarder against Dallas. If he starts missing those, if he starts missing extra points, if he ever gets extra points and that's kind of where the issue is, sure, you'd like to see one or two of these lawn ones go in, but I I haven't had a real uh, complaint with with uh, Ryland yet. Can't not getting involved in the Nick Folk discussion anymore. I don't know if you're kind of on the same page on that or where you where you are there. The whole thing with Nick Folk, the whole value in Nick mm-hmm. Folk, a guy like that, he's automatic from inside of forty. The idea was you're taking a more consistent kicker inside of forty yards and sacrificing the ability to hit from like 45 plus Chad Ryland is not going to be quite as consistent from inside of 40, but is you can, like you were never going to attempt a 56 yard field with Nick Folk. You just weren't going to do it. Yeah. Chad Ryland has a chance to make that kick and gives you that option. He's only kicked one kick from inside of 48 yards and he made it. It was a 29 yarder. So, like Nick, the whole Nick Folk thing. If, if you want to say they should have kept Nick Folk, I mean you can. I don't know that Chad Ryland's performance. Nick Folk's not attempting most of these kicks. They're either going to punt or go for it. That's not to defend the decision. I'm just saying it's two separate conversations. Now, if Chad at Ryland is missing left and right, you know, all the time like, from inside of forty, yeah. it becomes another, another conversation. But I, I, I do think it's this thing where. He didn't kick a lot in the preseason. He didn't really kick at all in the preseason. So he goes no. a couple months without kicking in a game environment. He gets into – he didn't kick in week one. Has to kick on a horrible snap with bad fields from long range in week two. And is it just starting to build for him mentally? And that's not to make excuses. You're supposed to be mentally strong as a kicker. It's one of the most important parts of that position. I would say even more than quarterback, you need to be mentally strong as a kicker because with quarterback, you get a lot of chances to go back out there and, and fix it. Kicker, you miss a kick, especially on, the, a, especially on this offense. Right. You might not get another chance to, to, to make a kick that way. You might have to sleep on that for seven days, 14 days. Yeah. So he's got to figure it out, but it's not like he's been put in easy positions. I don't I, – I, I, I like the idea that they moved on from Nick Folk when they did. And I know he's been good, but it's that year too early versus year too late thing. He struggled down the stretch last year. They needed somebody to do kickoffs. 
And I do like the idea of having a kicker that can expand the range a little bit and hit from like the, the, you know, low fifties to mid fifties. I like that. Maybe Ryland was the right guy for that. Maybe he wasn't, but moving on from Nick Falk for a guy like that, I still don't have a problem with right? now. Did they yeah. choose the wrong guy? We'll see. And, and early on, it looks like they might've, uh, we got to see him kicking a little more consistently, but I, I still, I, I will still say moving on from Nick Falk was the right idea. Yeah. I, was, I wouldn't have drafted the kicker in the fourth. If, if I was going to draft kicker that high, I would have taken Jake Moody. If not, I would have waited and gotten a UDFA, and we've seen some UDFAs that have been really good this year. But I, I'm still okay that they moved on from Nick Folk. I'll, yeah. I'll stand by that take. I, I have no problem with that. I won't yeah. sleep over that. I'm with you. And, and if Nick Folk's here, what is he? like? Four, think Ryland's four of eight. They wouldn't have attempted the 50-something yarder against the Jets. Maybe they wouldn't even have attempted. Like, Ryland had four forty-eight to 50 yard field goals against the jets all in the rain. Like would he even have kicked right. any of those? Even the one he missed in the saints last week was 48 into the wind. I don't know if you heard the, the CBS, uh, the game broadcast on CBS after, but they had a sideline report after where they're like, Bill was saying, we're still trying to figure out how this scoreboard affects all the wind here. And you saw the wind kind right. of carry that one left. So I don't know. Like, I don't think, first of all, you'd still be one and four. And I don't think Nick folk would be, like eight for eight from 55 yards all, all of a sudden in, in this year. So I think that was the right move. I still think Chad will be a, a good kicker, but obviously time will tell. Hopefully they yeah, can. Yeah, these, these have been tough kicks. These have yeah. been like, like, let's not get and that the wrong. And the snaps have been, the snaps have been kick. bad. If I'm concerned about any of the specialists right now, it's Joe Cardona, if we're being yeah. honest. Um, that's not to say Ryland's been fine, but I, his struggles aren't, it's not necessarily just like, oh, he can't kick. There's extenuating circumstances here. I, I got to see some more of them. Yeah, I agree with you. But if that's all your Patriots talk, we can get to some college football. And lots of good top quarterbacks have some big matchups this week. If you're a Patriots fan that's already looking at that position in the draft, I know we get our road next this week with a yep. big game, get big top 10 game against Michael Penix in Washington. Probably... Game, is that where game day is? Game of the week? Yes. Yep, that's what I figured. So that would be a good one. And then Caleb Williams, Drake May, probably one, two in this draft, unless Marvin Harrison squeaks in there. They both have uh, top 25 uh, games at night. So plenty of good quarterback play this weekend in the college football landscape. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I mean, that game in the afternoon, Washington, Oregon is going to be awesome. And you talk about stakes uh, for the draft in particular. I, I Part of the way I do the draft, and, and Brian, you'll learn this, and people who've watched the show kind of know, like a lot of people got excited about what Drake May did against Syracuse last week. No disrespect to Drake May. I don't really care what he did against Syracuse. He should march up and down the field against Syracuse. Syracuse isn't good. I I look a lot less at that game compared to like in a couple of weeks, I think it's November 11th, he plays Duke. UNC plays Duke. Duke has one of the best defenses in the nation. When we go back and start really digging into these guys, I'm going to weigh the Duke game, the Duke game, sorry, yeah, the UNC game against Duke a lot more than I weigh the game against Syracuse. He's got a back-to-back Duke November 11th of the next week at Clemson, so that'll be a good... Yeah, so the reason I bring that up is this week, Michael Penix, Bo Nix. This game is going to tell us so much about both of these quarterbacks. 
Penix. It, it, it's a little simpler for Penix. It doesn't mean the stakes aren't high, but it's just he's having a great year. He's averaging, not averaging 400 passing yards per game, 399.8. <laughs> and that is very annoying to me. Is it really that but close? <laughs> 399.8. Uh, Oregon, fifth best scoring defense in the nation, 11.8 points per game. Fifth best uh, passing defense in the nation, just under 160 passing yards per game. So this is, at least in the regular season, I don't know, maybe they make it to the playoffs against Georgia. But in terms of the regular season, this is the best defense Michael Penix will face. So we're going to learn a lot about what Michael Penix can do this week. For Bo Nix, also playing very well. Uh, Washington's defense is no slouch, 27th in the nation. I think it's like 18 point something points per game. But the bigger issue for Bo Nix is in his... So I've kind of given the spiel before. Bo Nix was bad at Auburn. He was there for three years. He was number one recruit in his class, went to Auburn, struggled. A lot of what he struggled with, negative plays were a big one. A lot of picks, a lot of sacks. His touchdown to interception ratio, he's doubled. So it went from 2.4 touchdowns to every pick to 5.5 in his year and a half at Oregon. He's gone from taking like a sack and a half a game to like 0.8 sacks per game, way fewer sacks. He's taken uh, less sacks in Oregon in the year and a half he's been there than he did in any single season at Auburn. But the one box Bo Nix still needs to check is he he's never been able to win on the road, especially against good teams. At Auburn, he was 2-6 and six against road opponents that were ranked. Two of those teams, the two teams he beat were ranked 17th. Every other team he lost to is higher. So against teams in the top 15, 0-6 on the road. And it's not just that he would lose those games. Those were some of his worst games performance-wise. And Road Knicks became like this thing. Like, oh, Road Knicks showed up. He's played one ranked opponent on the road at Oregon. That was last year against Oregon State. They lost that game. And after this... Oregon only has one ranked road opponent left. That's Utah in two weeks. They're ranked 16th. They are not the caliber of team that Washington is. They're more like that te- the Texas A&M team and the Arkansas team he beat in 2019 and 2021 at Auburn. I need to see Bo Nix go into a tough environment against a great team with a great quarterback. I don't even need to see him win the game. Like if they lose 60 to 50, all right, whatever. Unless Bo Nix throws like a ton of picks, right? If he goes toe-to-toe with Penix and gives them a chance to win it, I'm going to be very comfortable calling Bo Nix a first-round pick. He's still not my favorite. He's 23. His ceiling's a little capped. There is, somebody brought up like the Mac Jones comp that's been made for him. He's more athletic than Mac, but there definitely is some of that thing there. If he comes out and Road Nix shows up, I'm not, no. taking, I'm not touching Bo no. Nix with a first-round pick. He, and and it's not like I can say, all right, well, he can still develop. He's 23. <laughs> this game's going to do a lot for his draft stock, a lot for his draft stock. Penix as well, but it's kind of just, can you play good against a good team? It's simple. We, we've seen this narrative before. With Bo Nix, it's this really unique angle of him going on the road and winning against a tough team. But it's going to be a very interesting game to watch in that regard. It's also a big game. I yeah. mean, the winner more or less yeah. clinches a spot in the Pac-12 championship. They, they're going to get the benefit of the doubt is the Pac-12 team going into the playoff. USC has looked bad. the last, Not bad, but like they have not looked like a top 10 team. They got outplayed by like Arizona. 
They got right. outplayed by a bad Arizona team. They nearly let Colorado come back and beat them. That defense is questionable. Caleb Williams is the only reason they're winning games right now. There's re- it doesn't look like there's much else there. Yeah. So this is a big game for these two teams. Like draft stuff aside, but you can add that element. So, and it's a rivalry. It's the cash cascade clash. Some people call it the border war. I, at one point, attended Missouri Accepted Student State. Didn't get a chance to go, but the border <laughs> war for me will always be Missouri-Kansas. I miss that rivalry, but uh, Cascade Clash, Washington-Oregon is going to be great, except Oregon wearing those cookies and cream uniforms. Those things are gross. <laughs> yeah, that, that that should be an awesome game. The Bo Nix, like, he still just terrifies me at Auburn. I know he's been better. Like He, I, he was impressive against... Colorado, but it's Colorado, like you said. Let's see it. Right. Big time opponent on the road, going head to head with Penix. And uh, who's the? I can't. I can never pronounce his last name. The Odunze. Yeah. How do you say it? The Washington. O, 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 I forget if it's Odunze or just Odunze. Odunze. Roma Odunze on Washington. He's probably first round receiver. I would say so. He's, he's going to be in that conversation. He's yeah. spectacular. He's, he, he's an awesome player. So he's another guy to kind of watch on the offensive side of that ball uh, in that game. So tons of good draft prospects. As you said, another big game. And then Caleb Williams, Drake may wrapping it up at night. USC Notre Dame should be awesome. I think that's in Notre Dame. It's in Notre right? Dame. Cause Lincoln Riley's out there spraying guys with water guns. <laughs> uh, and then any other games like UCLA, Oregon State, another top 25. Uh, Duke plays. I'm guessing Riley Leonard is out, though. He's another quarterback that maybe is in that like fringe round two, maybe works his way up in round, late round one conversation. Uh, but I, I'm guessing he's out with that ankle injury. I don't um, know you know. Yeah, I, I would think he's not going to play um, in this one. <clears throat> Excuse me. Other games I'm interested in. Auburn LSU will be interesting. I, uh, Miami UNC is is really good game. Um, I think Kentucky Missouri too. Missouri coming off their first loss, uh, they they fell to LSU last week and shoot. I, I I like that Missouri team. Brady Cook is a guy. Where I don't think he's a first round pick, but if they if they want to go like tackle a receiver in the first round, like Brady Cook could work his way if he comes out. I believe he's a redshirt junior. Um, he may just stay another year. Yeah, he is. So he may stay another year to capitalize on that weaker quarterback class. But Brady Cook slings the ball, man. Brady Cook slings the ball. And they got Luther Burden, who is going to be the first wide receiver off the board in 2025. He's a true sophomore right now. That team's fun. Also, I mean, come on. If the Patriots get Brady Cook, <laughs> that was... <laughs> if we could just talk about let Brady Cook, I mean, that would be a good time. I that would, would be almost perfect. be okay with him wearing number 12, which he wears in Missouri. <laughs> Can you just put the Brady too on the on the twelve? Just his first right, name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, can you imagine if the Patriots let Brady cook? I hope no. they do let Brady cook against Kentucky this week. Kentucky's a good team too, so that'll be a fun <laughs> game. But let Brady cook, man. That that would be. I'm rooting for that now. That that would be unbelievable if they got a Brady, especially but it's, Brady Cook too. Right, it's to not just it Brady; it's Brady Cook. Oh my God, is he? It says he's injured on this app. He's been like banged up all year, but he's been playing. Okay. He's dealing with some nagging something. Yeah. Oh, he's, yeah, he's probable with an undisclosed injury. So yeah. So he's, a, I think it's a knee injury. Okay. Yeah. He's he, there. There's been something that he's just been playing through all. And like no. every week, they're like, oh, is Brady cooking to play this week? And then he plays and he slings it. And Luther, uh, is it, I forget if it's burden or, or button. I, it's burden. I'm, 
you know, he's next year's draft class. So I'm, he's a little further down the road for me. Um, he's like, he leads the nation in most major passing categories as a true sophomore. Um, yeah, six games, 54 catches, 793 yards, five touchdowns again in six games. Uh, just really spectacular athlete, excellent route runner. He was the top wide receiver recruit in his class. I mean, it, it doesn't come as a surprise, but this dude's going to be really exciting to watch down the road. Yep. Yeah, he's awesome. But, hey, if Brady Cook, if he's on the injury report every week, that's just even more perfect, right? You get a, the Brady on the injury report every week like Tom used to be. But, right. yeah, should be a, an awesome week of college football, obviously highlighted by that. Uh, Oregon-Washington game with Knicks and Penix, so make sure you check that out. But uh, I believe that will do it from us today. Uh, make sure you all subscribe to the YouTube channel so you know when we go live. We will be back to break down the Patriots game against the Raiders on Monday. But until then, you can follow Alex on Twitter, at RealAlexBarth, and go read all his work over at 985thesportshub.com. You can follow me on Twitter at I am Brian Hines and go read all my coverage over at patspulpit.com. Thank you all for tuning in. Have a wonderful football weekend, and we will see you guys on Monday.